<laughs> What's going on, everybody? Welcome into the CHGO Bulls podcast presented by Points Bet. Don't forget that promo code CHGO when you sign up to live your bet life. I'm Matt Peck. You can follow me on Twitter at Bulls underscore Peck. You can follow Will the Goat Gottlieb at Won't Gottlieb. Big Dave is at Bow BAWL Sports. And ah. Mark K at MK Hoops. We got the whole crew hanging out today, kicking off another fresh week of Bulls content for y'all. This is a first, officially the first full week of the offseason, gentlemen. How is everyone feeling? Bulls Twitter is already a crazy, crazy place. I feel like I'm missing a limb. It's it's weird. I don't I don't know what to do with myself. I'm not watching Bulls games every night. Luckily, there are some good playoff games on. The second round has been off to a good start, but it's weird. I miss the Bulls. Yeah, I miss them too, man. I I miss them. I miss them, Mark. Like you miss, I miss seeing my favorite team actually matter. You know what I mean? Like that's actually a good thing. And you know, like it was cool watching them in the playoffs. It was cool finally watching them win with Matt. So now I know what playoff Matt Peck looks like, and so now I'm now I'm prepared for certain things. So yeah, I, I do miss playoff them. Peck. I, don't, uh, I, I miss game one and two of the Bulls, but I, I don't miss game three to five of the Bulls. So, yeah, um, no. yeah, I don't know. I, I'm mixed feelings for me. Fair, fair. Don't don't miss that. Um, all right, so we wanted to talk about a few things today. We are going to talk at the back end of the show about the NBA playoffs as we are entering these conference semifinal series and just some of our thoughts about who might have the upper hand in these series. Uh, but before we get to that, we want to talk a little bit further about the Zach Levine situation. So we talked on Friday's episode last week about some of his comments from his jumping off of what Will wrote uh, last week after we heard from Zach in his exit interview. And uh, essentially just kind of like fleshing out some of the recurring questions and or arguments from some people who don't believe Zach Levine to be a max player. How like well, let's just start with this, Mark how you decided to best frame this to say, okay, we've heard this argument a lot. We've heard this argument a lot, et cetera, et cetera. And then just kind of not undercutting them, but explaining why maybe some of those thoughts and arguments are misguided. Yeah. Well, I mean, like taking you guys behind the scenes of how the idea came to me initially, like I was walking the dogs. I'm like, all right, I need to write something for the website. What can I write? And then, uh, you know, we'll write that really good column the other week or last week about, you know, the possible options that Zach has about, you know, um, you know his max contract coming up, assuming he gets one. So I wanted to, I thought it would be a good idea to just, you know, do an extension to that, I suppose, and just take the common retorts that someone like me who thinks he is deserving of a max contract typically gets in it, in my mentions on Twitter. And the reason why I thought of this was <laughs> I, um, I had a reflection, a, a moment of reflection where I, I realized I am a little bit of a, condesc- a condescending asshole on online. Sometimes, <laughs> it maybe all the time, but I and, and then I started just like realizing that. Yeah, I will look. Uh, I've got some self awareness, but nonetheless, like I, I started thinking about like all the, all the reasons why people are so anti max or anti maxes as as we like to call them, and 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 part of me was like, is this just due to them having complete knowledge of the situation and coming to the conclusion that Zach is not worth a max, he's, he should be moved on, blah, blah, blah. Or is this people just maybe shouting things online, being uninformed and not necessarily knowing exactly what they're really talking about? So rather than being a condescending douchebag for two seconds, I, pu- I put that on pause for a little bit and just, I thought like, why not just write a column about some basic some basic thing or basic concepts around the max, max contract in relation to or in response to some of the the typical 
you know, retorts that we do see, uh, do see and receive around why Zach isn't a max guy. So that was the thinking behind it. Um, so, you know, your typical things like he doesn't deserve a max. He shouldn't be paid the same as, you know, Giannis or LeBron. He's not a number one player or not a number one on a championship team. You know, give give Zach less than the max and use that money on someone else. Like these are the types of things I tackled. And they're things that, to me at least, uh, and maybe I'm assuming wrongly here, but like it kind of feels like those people that have those takes are uninformed about certain situations, particularly the sort of cap type ones or cap type questions. And that's why I wanted to address it, I guess, just to hopefully get a couple people to, to read it and, and maybe educate them a little bit. Oh, Mark, let me ask you. Um, and I think I know the answer to this, but I just want to ask you, do you feel Zach is a max player because of his actual play or is more so a max player because of that's what the market says that he is? Look for me. Um, and I tried addressing this in the, in, in the, the post as well, but like, Personal ideals about what a max player is or isn't like doesn't matter at all, really. Like it means jack shit to be honest with you. And like for me, no, he's ideally not a max player. To me, in my head, like maybe five, ten guys max are max guys. Like if we're if we're thinking about it in that situation. But the reality is, there's like thirty or forty players in the NBA earning. There's actually forty players in the NBA earning thirty million dollars or more per season next season. That number is going to go up when the next uh, crop of free agents, you know, start earning their new deal. So the reality is NBA economics, the dynamics of the, the the NBA marketplace determine who is or who isn't a max player. And based on who has received, you know, max deals before, based on the type of players that have those, um, have, have those sorts of dollars, Zach is very comparable to those players. So irrespective of whether I think he is or isn't, ideally, like it doesn't matter because, you know, Bradley Beal is on, on a max contract. Devin Booker is on a max contract. Donovan Mitchell is on a max contract. Trey Young is on a max contract. Kyrie, like they're comparable players. So if those dudes are getting paid a max, then Zach does it deserves to get paid a max. And to me, like it's almost that clear cut for me. Can I can I add one more thing, which is like a max player is not like you're designating him as the best player or yeah calling him a top 10 player it's just like the most amount of money that you can make at that certain point in your career like there, mm-hmm. the the max percentage of uh the salary cap you're allowed to earn goes up as you become more and more senior in the nba and so this just ma- basically means you're giving him as much money as you possibly can give him and i think if you're trying to build a really good team you need obviously really good players which zach is but you also need uh high level players that fit with other great players. And Zach is, I think one of the best, um, you know, theoretical fits next to other stars because of his ability to score play off of other guys. And, you know, you saw the fit with Demar, obviously, but just to be able to have a guy who can shoot off the, off the move, um, who I think has defended at a much higher level this year before his injury, um, and can take a, a, a huge scoring burden. Like you need to have those guys if you're going to compete at a high level. And whether you think Zach is as good uh, as Giannis or Luca or LeBron or Kawhi or any of these guys doesn't really matter because the Bulls don't have to pay him to be that guy. They just need to pay him to be one of their max guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you said that, Will, because immediately when Mark K was saying all those names, I was like, oh, God, now I can hear Bulls Nation now. Like, see, those guys are number one guys. They does not deserve to be the best guy. I immediately heard that. Oh, man. Like, the thing that I think is important is 
what you kind of touched on with those 40 players, not all of the 40 players making max contracts above 30, you know, 30 million annual salary are the best player on a team going to the finals every year, because right. that's not a thing. That's not a or thing that exists on their in the own NBA. Team. Yes, exactly. And the, the other uh, example that I think came up on Twitter earlier today was the contracts that the Bucks have in that, okay, you know, Giannis is obviously your superstar player. Um, and he decided to stay in Milwaukee and sign a big fat contract, but they also have Chris Middleton and Drew Holiday on gigantic contracts. And is it, it is it holidays that uh, technically classifies as a max with incentives? I think I saw. Um, but again, like it, it doesn't matter necessarily because guess what? DeMar DeRozan's contract, he's making good money. I think based on the performance we just saw from him, you you could say he was an underpaid star this season, but it's, it doesn't matter. It's like, oh, well, it's DeMar's team, not Zach. So Zach shouldn't be the max player. Like, it's just terminology, and it's the amount of money you're paying a guy. Like, I, I don't get why that's something that is getting a lot of Bulls fans hung up on this. Yeah, it, it is strange. And, like, the, the odd thing that I see often is, like, we, we can't give Zach the max. We, we can't give him the max. But maybe instead of giving him, you know, he's he's – his salary in his first year of a max is $36.6 million, as, as Will noted in his column. So some people don't want to give him $36.6 million, but some will go, okay, well, maybe, maybe we give him 33 or maybe we give him 35 or 30 or whatever it is. Like We're, we're talking about giving him effectively 85 90%, 90 of the max anyway. So any conversation around Zach not being worth it or you know, you're committing too much money to one player and you know you can maybe take some of that savings, let's call it, that you, that you would not be giving to Zach. You could invest it somewhere else. But like, we're talking about a couple million dollars here or there. Like, that's all we're really talking about. And Which wouldn't prevent that, them from being over the cap. No, it wouldn't prevent them from being over the cap. And all we're really talking about is the equivalent of a vet minimum salary, for example, or, mm. you know, a biannual exception type thing. So we're not talking about the balls being hamstrung to the point where, they can't go out and get another max guy. Like that can't happen already because they're going to be over the cap anyway, which is part of the, you know, one of the subheadings that I had in there was no matter what you give Levine, whether it's 30 million, 25 million, 35 million, or the full max, the Bulls are going to be over the cap next season. They're most likely to be over the cap in the coming years, assuming they want to continue to, you know, build upon what they've got and wanting to be a playoff team. Like they're not going to have cap space probably for two or three seasons, assuming things go the way we want them to go, including Patrick Williams becoming the player that we hopefully think he can be. Because if he does, then he's going to be commanding max dollars. And then you will have no room for any cap space or anything like that, no, irrespective of what you know the contract you give to Levine. So it's just a, a, nuanced, a nuanced conversation with, uh, I think, just too many people maybe having too many opinions that maybe are uninformed, which is why, again, why I wrote what I did. I have no... I'm under no illusions that my words will shift any people's perspectives, but um, at least I can be hopeful that maybe that's the case. And and if not, then I'll just go back to being that condescending douchebag that I've always been. Mark, Mark, let me let me ask you this, man. And I, I feel like I'm kind of stepping in the minefield when I ask it, but I really do <laughs> want to know this though. But because you went and you listed several of the arguments that you were just going down and debunking, but which one of those arguments? kind of, as you put it, shits you to tears. Uh, <laughs> which, one, which one just really gets under your skin? 
Look, see, I, I focused on five in this article, just just in the interest of brevity and just keeping it to a manageable length. But there's so many more that we could have gone with. I, I know I, f- I threw it to you guys on Slack and to Will at Mark, my DMs Mark DM'd me. Mark DM me. Like, I think <laughs> I want to write this story. Like, do you have any good uh, arguments? And I was like, Yeah, I got a bunch, and I just sent them like ten in the matter of a minute. Because like all of my friends are like hitting me up about this. Like, how oh, should we resign Zach? I don't know if he's a max player, and. I yeah, I mean I I think I get it to a certain extent, but I I just don't think any of those make sense or um or are in line with like what the Bulls could do with that money. And I think that's a real question is like what's the alternative here if you don't do that, if you don't max that. Yeah. And look to answer your question, Dave, the one that really shits me is the one where people just go, um he, he's been to the playoffs once in eight seasons. I'm like, oh yeah, cool. Really? Why is that? Can you give me some fucking context, please? Like, why is that? Is it because maybe in his first two years, he was drafted to a terrible Minnesota Minnesota team that was in a rebuild? In th- year three, he tore his ACL. In year four, he's still recovering from his ACL, only to then get traded to the Chicago Bulls, another team that's entering into a very terrible rebuild, as we've come to learn. Why is it that Zach hasn't come into the playoffs? I fucking don't know why. Why is it? Like... <laughs> No, it's just uh, because he's an, really calorie, he's an empty calorie scorer, Mark. <laughs> that's clearly why. He's not a he's not a uh, winner. He's not a gen yeah. he's not a generational, generational talent. Right, right. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, they're, they're the ones that annoy me because there's no thought behind them at all. There's no you, you can't really argue with that type of person because they're just a dunce. But like they're they're the ones that truly annoy me. Like if, if someone wants to put together like our friend at Jamal at Bull Central, like if you want to put together a good piece of work where you can sort of note down reasons as you as to why you you don't think Levine's a max dude um fine like oh, that's fine I respect that position but if you're just going to be you know some mouth breather on Twitter that's just going to say random shit that you're not necessarily informed about then I don't I don't want to hear from you I guess is my point they're the ones that really annoy me yeah and, and look I think Dave's question to you Mark uh, a few minutes ago kind of alluded to it but the, the other thing that we need to make clear is none of the four of us, I, I believe, are like staunch, blindfold on Zach defenders who think he is a, you know, in that superstar tier of players. If you want to make that delineation, we all are p- people who have watched Zach Levine for the entirety of his NBA career and especially the Bulls part of his NBA career who know he is a flawed star. He is not a perfect star by any stretch of the imagination. We know about the defense. We know about some of the late game decision making and and the the questionable ball handling that leads to untimely turnovers. We are aware of all that because we watch every Bulls game every season. But you can still be aware of Zach Levine's flaws and look at the reality of his market value and how the NBA and its salaries and its free agency process works to know that the Bulls would be in a much worse situation moving forward in the immediate future by just letting Zach go or by even trying to come up with a sign and trade in which you are getting back pieces that help your team win basketball games more than Zach Levine does. And I think it's important that we all recognize that. Yeah, I mean, look at if you if you look at what Zach was this year, and I think you have to you know, look at the season with a bit of a grain of salt because of the injuries. But I think best case scenario, he's like a fringe all NBA, maybe third team 
or fourth team all NBA kind of player. I know there's not actually a fourth team, but for our purposes, um, all those guys are either on max contracts or going to be, you know, that's like, those are the guys you pay. And like I said before, if, if you disagree that Zach is that kind of talent, that's one thing. I don't really know what to say in that case because like he just kind of clearly is. Um, <laughs> but I just, I don't see what the alternative is other than taking a massive step back, continuing to be in a really tough place salary cap wise. And then in addition to not being as good, still being out future draft picks. And that is just not a position that you want to be in. And frankly, like it's just super lame to not try, you know, like we we've done this before. We were, we were doing this for five years. Like, Oh, let's just try to hit on draft picks. The bulls haven't hit on draft picks. And I know AK is now in charge and you can say he's, one for three or two for three, depending on what you think of Pat in his draft picks. But if you just feel like you don't have that generational a one star that it's not worth trying to build a good team, then like, I just can't really argue with that because that's, what's been so special about the Arturis regime so far is that he's gotten creative and found ways to win without necessarily having that guy. And so I'm all in on continuing to try to figure that out. Yeah, yeah. It, yeah. It, it's it's, it's losing mentality. It's losing yes. mentality. <laughs> Absolutely right. Yes. Shits you to tears, Mark. Shits in the tears, man. Shits in the tears. And you know what? Like, uh, lis- listening to this reminds me of all the arguments I heard against giving him his original contract when he got it, and all mm-hmm. the people who were against that, just paying him that little bit of money that wasn't going to be worth anything in the next few years, and. It reminds me of some of my friends. Listen, on Ball on Bulls, we do a thing called Tournament of Trash, okay? And last year, we did uh, worst ball takes. We turned the tables on ourselves, and we did our worst <laughs> takes. And my one of my friends, who actually ended up winning, <laughs> who I thought had the absolute worst take when he called Zach Levine, he compared Zach Levine and said he was Ricky Davis. I'll never forget that <laughs> as long as I live. And wow. till this day, he'll deny it, even though I played him the footage of when he said it. <laughs> Till this day, he'll, he'll deny it, but it reminds me of that. Like when when people come up with those takes because of the emotion of certain situations and not seeing things, not seeing the future of what this person could do, or actually thinking a player can't actually grow or be, develop or become something else or actually become better and outplay a contract and things like that. Zach Levine has shown you not only is he willing to put in the effort to do it, he can't wait. To put in the effort to do it and prove people wrong and showcase that, yo, I am a awesome basketball player. I should be on this team. I should be one of the people you surround this team uh, around. So, yeah, it just reminds me of that, though, man, because I remember those takes people were saying when that contract was uh, going to be signed by Zach Levine previously. And I, I was one of them. I mean, I really thought this was going to be a bad idea. What I didn't understand at the time was what that meant for the bulls sort of cap situation moving forward. But more importantly, like if you, if you say stuff like that and you're wrong, it's like, okay to admit that you're wrong or to change your mind about something like Zach clearly outperformed his contract. And even if you think he won't do that again, like he still earned that to a certain extent. And so I, I get it. If you don't like him or um, you know, if you don't think that he is the, you know, a top one or two or three player on a championship team, but they just, they have to do this. I think for him just, you know, 
don't like make it a situation where you're like being cheap. Like what was the thing with maybe Dave, you know, the answer to this, but like, didn't uh, the white Sox like shortchange Giolito by like 50 K or something like that. It's like, what are we doing here? Like this is chump change. This is like going to cause strife in the organization over what? (sighs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah. And uh, we all know the, uh, the, the tie that connects the White Sox and the Chicago Bulls, but see, and that to, to I me, knew that's where this was going. That's that's the thing. No, but that's the thing I'm that I think stuff. gives me hope right now. And the the other thing I don't understand about these Bulls fans who are upset about the thought of giving Zach Levine all this money. So let's let's continue this conversation in just a minute because there are more things we need to get to to iron out all this Zach stuff, and then we'll also touch mm-hmm. on the playoffs before we get out of here. But first, Big Dave, tell the people about points bet, would you please? Yes, I will. Pay Gio. The best way to support CHGO is to download that PointsBet app and use that code CHGO when you sign up. Because if you do that, not now, but right now, you'll get two, count one, two risk-free bets up to $2,000. But that's not it. If it, if you make a $50 or more, or more first-time deposit, you will receive a free CHGO membership, which unlocks all of that awesome web content where you read that awesome story that Mark K wrote today and all the awesome things that Will writes and, of course, the pecking order trademark. And you'll get yourself a free T-shirt from that CHGO locker. That's $2,000 in free bets, a free CHGO membership, a free T-shirt from that CHGO locker, all for making more than a $50 first-time deposit at points bet and introducing that live NBA same game parlay. Cause for the first time ever, you can build the perfect live NBA same game parlay and you can do that dramatic pause only with points bet combine your favorite bets anytime during the game. And if you want more, you can boost your live NBA same game parlays. You can watch live parlay live boost live and partay live with points bet. And for all the people in this beautiful state of Illinois where the weather, I just don't want to curse right now, but I don't know what the hell is going on. I cursed anyway. You can download that PointsBet app, stay in the house, register your account from start to finish, and do it all from your phone. So what are you waiting for? Because once that game starts, y'all, you don't just bet. Will the three or let them know what they do. You live your bet life. And you do it at PointsBet. Mm. Man, I I might like Will the Thrill even more than I like Goatly. I, Will the Thrill is so Why, good. Yeah, it doesn't have to be one or the other, Peck. <laughs> his greatness is everywhere. Like he's in so many monikers. So his goatness. Goatness. Uh, all right. So picking up where we left off with this Zach Levine free agency conversation, I I think back to. A, a substantial part of this fan base that was so frustrated with a lot of the mistakes of the previous regime, but one of the biggest and most consistent complaints was not willing to spend big money, right? A huge market team that operates like a mom and pop franchise. And why won't they ever spend big money? And when they do spend big money, occasionally they do it in all the wrong places, but mostly why are they so cheap, right? And now we are finally in a position where we had Michael Reinsdorf on record in an interview earlier this season saying, yeah, if we're a playoff team, if we're a team that looks like we're heading towards uh, towards real contention, absolutely we will pay the luxury tax. Look around the NBA at all of the teams that have won championships recently, gone to the finals recently. It's almost exclusively teams operating above that luxury tax line. It's not your money, Bulls fans. 
So if we all can kind of collectively agree that while Zach Levine might not be one of the, you know, 10 best superstar tier players in the NBA deserving of the biggest potential salary, but keeping him around at maybe a little bit of an overpay on a fresh contract coming off of a contract that was, as we all just discussed, a gross underpay, and you're not the one writing them checks, why should Bulls fans care? Especially if they're going to be an above-the-cap team either way, and it's not like you could go out and guess guess what? I went on a bunch of different websites today and looked at the most recent 2022 free agent class rankings in the NBA coming up for this summer. You know whose name is number one on a lot of those lists? Because <laughs> it's Zach Levine! <laughs> Why? And so, so pay the man, or and by pay the man, I mean watch the ownership group that you have all been mad at for years for not spending money. We're, we're finally getting ready to pay a star money to stick around, and y'all mad at that too? That's, I, I, oh, that's the part that frustrates me because so much of this makes no sense when you're trying to follow a line of logic. Mm, that's the part there right is there. There is no logic. Exactly, Marquette. That's the part right there. <laughs> that line of logic, it does not exist in that. It is. It feels like all emotion because if you're looking at it logically, you don't come to that conclusion, I don't think. You, you don't say, okay, well, fine, let them go, let them be. And we need to get somebody better. And as Will kept saying, like, who? <laughs> like, who, who are you going to get that you can find that, that will you'll be able to pay that will come here like next year? Like, who is it? Point that guy out. Because the only guy that they kept thinking of, or even when they were talking to sign trade, was like Russell Westbrook. And I know we want no parts of that, especially either the player or the contract. You don't want any parts of that. You know what I'm saying? So, yeah. I'll- Again, who who are you I looking mean, at? Harden's got an option. Like, he could opt out. You want Harden? You want no. you want that trash? Kyrie, Kyrie, he's got a player option. You want Kyrie to opt out? You want Kyrie over here? I'm good. Bradley Beal. <laughs> I'm, I'm I saw I saw cool. somebody on Twitter said suggested Bradley Beal as like a significant upgrade slash alternative. And Mark, I think it was you who were like, Dude, uh, okay, what are we doing here? What is this exercise?" <laughs> Two Demars, like, yeah. <laughs> like it's so no. Like, I think if you're if you're gonna like, I mean, this is how trades for superstars work in the NBA. It's consolidation from one team. It's young players draft capital for superstar, right? And the team that's taking on the superstar is getting that superstar to pair him with the other superstars that they have. If you are sending out Zach Levine, you're probably not getting a ton back that makes you better today, which I think somebody has already said. But also, like, you just you give up the opportunity to build something. Like, you have a couple of good pillars in place. I think the bigger question is, how do you fill out space around them? We saw what it looked like when Demar was out there without Zach in Game Five. It wasn't pretty. Like, mm-hmm. they need Zach plus more, not minus Zach or less than Zach. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's try it's, to get it's crazy. It, it, it's nuts. But like, and, and that's the, the like, what are you going to do? Like, if if you remove Zach. All right, maybe you're theoretically putting together a sign and trade, but go go look back on all the sign and trades that have happened more recently and the type of return that comes back in those deals. You're not getting a like-for-like situation. You're getting, at best, 50 cents on the dollar, something like that. Mm-hmm. And at, at that point, what is happening? Is, is it, are we just doing another year of uh, a Damar again, just doing Damar things and this time being one year older? And, you know, then what? What happens then? I don't know. Maybe people have some... Um, 
some grand schemes of Patrick Williams steps into the Levine role and he can become this uh, amazing, amazing scoring talent. I, I don't necessarily believe that, but I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who do. So, yeah, I, I guess that that's part of the whole thing that annoys me as well is this, feel, this, this episode feels like I'm just ranting today, but maybe that's part of the course. But I, I, I guess I, I have a fundamental problem, more generally, but specifically in this case as well, when people just whine about problems but don't offer up any solutions or don't think past the point where, you know, they don't, they don't think past the problem or they don't think past they're, they're whining over the problem and they just whine about things, not necessarily thinking about, like Dave, you just mentioned before, there's no logic to this. You don't, they don't go to those next couple of steps of, okay, well, if this happens, then what happens thereafter? They don't go through that, you know, that thought exercise. So like that stuff really annoys me as well about, Okay, you get, you're going to move on from that. Then what? Like, what's next? Oh, you sign and trade it. Okay, okay. Who are you signing trading for? Oh, we'll sign and trade Zach to uh to Utah for for Donovan Mitchell. Oh, are we? Okay, cool. Then why is Zach going to go to Utah? Ah, oh, uh, he's not. Oh, okay. Then the sign and trade won't work. <laughs> why are we trading Zach for a similar player to him in Donovan Mitchell? Ah, uh, because that's stupid as well. So like people don't go through that ex- that thought exercise. So. Uh, it, that's what bothers me about the whole thing as well. If you're going to whine about things, if you're going to point out problems, then come to me with actual solutions. Otherwise, I just don't want to hear it. Some Bulls fans propose now we don't want Mitchell. We want Rudy. We need that, you know, <laughs> elite defensive rim protector because Vucci's interior defense is so terrible. Um, and, you know, there was that report that came out earlier today from somebody, I can't remember who, saying it, like, it wasn't Woj or Shams, but somebody no. saying like, Sources say Rudy has informed the Utah Jazz it's him or me with Donovan at this point. They finally gotten to that point after their first round exit, you know. But again, like y- y'all seen Rudy's contract? Um, an- another <laughs> well, another name uh... that I've seen a lot is like you know Miles Bridges, like great player, restricted free agent. You, you think you think they're gonna let him go? Is he like a huge upgrade to Zach Levine? No, and he's also no. got to get paid. Let's let's right. talk about Rudy for a second, though, because I think even just from a even from the jazz perspective, it's an interesting thought exercise of if it's one or the other, if it's him or me, what do you do if you're the jazz? Mm-hmm. I, I would I think there's Mitchell. an yeah, I think there's a, a pretty good argument to be made that it's Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, no, that, oh, I, I think I, it's, I, yeah. Go, no, go ahead, Mark. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it just doesn't seem like. Mitchell's long for Utah regardless. So if you kind of feel that way anyway, then I would trade him just for that reason alone. And they've shown that they're willing to do that in the past when they just, just moved on from Darren Williams in, in a, literally a second. So if that's the case, then keep the guy that wants to be there, which is Gobert, and, and move on from the guy who's likely going to ma- demand a trade anyway. Like he's got his max contract now. He, he's played himself into that. He's got his dollars. He could probably leverage himself out of the situation anyway. So yeah, if I that's the you, case, I'll, I would I would do Donovan, and he's more likely to get a better return anyway. So they're, they're the yeah, couple of reasons exactly. why it makes sense. I think you probably get a better return, um, and also like your your foundation and identity stays the same. I think more with Gobert than it does with Mitchell. So um, I think a lot of Bulls fans are clamoring over Rudy Gobert, but I definitely could see the Jazz preferring to part ways with Donovan. Maybe they, you know, send him to the Knicks or something and get RJ Barrett and a bunch of picks back or something like that. Who knows? Um, mm-hmm. But it would, it would be, 
I think, you know, there's probably an argument also to be made that if they trade one, they should trade both and just start over, like basically sell off all their parts for picks and and just try to, you know, they, they've gotten a few younger players back, like see, see what they can try to reboot. But uh, I do think like their ceiling as a group is way lower if they're losing one of those guys. So maybe it is both. But uh, if it's got to be just one, I think Donovan makes sense to trade. Yeah. Yeah, and, and just to add on what Marquez said, because that's exactly how I felt in my reasoning by, by why I thought Mitchell was gone. I thought Mitchell – I saw him at his first season. I told people he was leaving. I was like, he's not staying in Utah. There's no way. Yeah. Like, there's no, if, if I had to just look at it and just say Gobert or Mitchell, just look at those two players and not see him actually play, I'm like, Gobert is Utah. Like, that, that guy feels like a Utah Jazz basketball player. And he feels more acclimated to the culture of Utah. Like, he just feels that way when I watch him and I look at him. Like, yeah, he feels like a Utah Jazz player. Like, it feels I'm like sorry, that. I just I just heard the phrase culture and Utah. That's like an oxymoron. <laughs> it's a, No, bro. I'm t- hey, man, that nightlife in Utah, I'm telling you, it's a thing. It's a thing. It's a thing, bro. I'm just telling you. But, but Gobert just feels like. He fits that a little more than Donovan Mitchell, who feels like a guy they got who they didn't think would become like this. I don't think a lot of people thought he would come to this level, but he's here now. But it just feels like he's going to find himself on another team, whether they trade him or whether he decides to leave. And Gobert just feels more foundational when I watch him, when I'm thinking of that. Maybe it's because he's a center. Maybe it's because, you know, um, the international uh, appeal also – uh, that he brings, uh, maybe it's the all the accolades he has. You know, it's easier for him to get those individual accolades like defensive player of the year than it is for Donovan Mitchell playing at the position that he does. Like there are other guys that are a little tier higher than him, whereas Gobert being the, you know, a big fish in a small pond kind of thing, you know, as far as centers are concerned uh, in the NBA. But yeah, I just, it just feels like Gobert and that contract too <laughs> as as well feels like yeah utah is gonna hold on to that man and yeah mitchell it just feels like mitchell isn't long for it i'll just say how about this gobert's just the better player and they should keep their (laughs) the the better player also donovan donovan just tweeted that he's going to the mets game tonight so uh maybe he is maybe he is going to new york after all it begins oh man (laughs) (laughs) ah yeah I, i mean I, I think I'm with all you guys in that I would probably also look to move Mitchell too, especially if he's already gone. Um, Gobert basically makes your team elite defensively by himself. Um, I'd see, and, and like that, that brings me back to Zach and, and acknowledging the flaws of an elite offensive player like Zach and recognizing what AK and Eversley did this offseason, bringing in guys who would help mask some of the weaknesses of not only Zach, but the other elite offensive player they brought in and DeMar DeRozan. And we saw what happened to the Bulls when Caruso and Lonzo both missed the last third of the season. Mm -hmm. But when they were healthy in the first half of the season and Zach's knee wasn't an issue yet and Caruso and Lonzo were out there every night, this was a team that was a top five offense and flirted for a while with being a top 10 defense. So I know that there are going to be a lot of Bulls fans, even the ones who are okay with Zach getting this new contract saying, all right, but how are you going to improve to being better than a team that gets bounced in the first round in five games? So it's like, okay, well, Milwaukee was a terrible matchup. Like that, that's part of it. But 
what can you do to add around the fringe if that's all you're going to do is add around the fringe? You look to shooting. You look to maybe a quality, you know, three and D guy. Uh, maybe that and shooting you can do in one player. And then some kind of size for the sake of rim protection. Um, it's not impossible for them to make those moves around the margins, but I don't see any options in those categories of needs that would outweigh what Zach is bringing you on a nightly basis, if that makes sense. Yeah, let's uh, let's solve our issues with shooting by getting rid of our best shooter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, like part of it for me as well is like, Maybe maybe I'm wrong here. And I look, I, I, referencing that article that I wrote up for the website, I made it clear that I don't view Zach as the best player on a championship team. And I don't think any rational Bulls fan feels that way. So no, you shouldn't connect that. that. It, exactly. Like it, saying that he deserves a max or should get a max does not equal Zach is the best player on a championship team. So mm-hmm. if that's what your personal definition of what a max player is, it's irrelevant, like I said before. Like NBA economics determine what a max guy is. But for me, at least, like just looking at this current situation the Bulls are in, like I've already come to terms with that this isn't a title team or most likely isn't going to be a title team. But to Will's point, like let's just try to make the best of what is here at the moment. Like there's still value to be had by supporting a team that maybe won't win a title but can still give us, you know, three, four, five years of good basketball. And like, go ask go ask Portland Trailblazer fans how they feel about like that Dame era team with CJ and 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 um, you know Nurkic and those teams that consistently were in the playoffs had that one run where they went to the Western Conference Finals. Ultimately, it didn't result in a a championship. But are you telling me those Portland Trailblazer fans didn't value that, or like the Memphis Grizzlies fans who had the grit and grind era, who never really won in the playoffs in terms of a championship, went to the Western Conference once, I believe, and I think that's it. But like we're consistently there, consistently had a good team. Like, are you going to tell me those fans didn't value that team as well? So why can't we have Levine, Demar, Vooch, or whoever it is, and a bunch of other things happening around the the fringes, whether it's Pat or Lonzo, Caruso, whatever it may be? You got a team that can consistently get to like fifty wins for three or four seasons, and you know, first round, second round, maybe you get lucky one year and you get to an Eastern Conference Finals, like the like the Hawks did a few years back. Or even last season, like there's 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 still value to root for a team that isn't necessarily going to win a deal. Uh, sorry, win a, a title, but like you, you you can still have value in that team. So I just don't understand this title or bust mentality that some have, some fans have, and maybe that's rooted in this whole Levine thing as well. Where it, where it certainly is. I shouldn't say maybe it is because people don't want to keep Levine because I don't think he can be the best player on a title team. But like. If that is your expectation of watching sports, like that your team has to be a title team or has to be on a path to being a title team and any or any other alternative is not you know justifiable, then I don't know that those type of people sound you know just exceptionally miserable to me. Well, I think even <laughs> beyond that, like so they're... you're saying you don't think Cowley's a, a happy guy. <laughs> who? Our our I'm, pal. I'm not sure who you're referencing. Our pal. Bless his heart. He is definitely the championship or bust ringleader. And oh it's funny. Goodness. I think I'm in the middle between both of y'all argument between Cali and Mark on that because I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to win every single year. But for me, even if you don't, those memories that you have, you know, kind of stay with you. 
Uh, the Derrick Rose era is a yeah, great I was of gonna, that. like um, that, like the Portland example that Mark gave. Bulls fans have their own version of that, yeah, and it was yeah. D Rose and Joe Keem ten years right. ago. Exactly. Bulls fans hold on to that team like their baby blanket, man. <laughs> like like grim, they hold geez. on like grim death, like they hold on tight to that man. And I get not that. even those and, teams. Like Nate Robinson is a legend. Like Nate that team was doing shit. Like that Bulls Absolutely. team weren't winning anything. Like that Joe Keem Noah season, we still talk about to this day. Like there, there's so much value in in sports in that sense. So I don't know. It's just typical meathead behavior to be title or bust. But um, you know, and, and well, I think there's your... also in the there is a middle ground too, where like yeah, that's why like I, I want to win some championships. I'm yeah, I'm trying to I'm win right a championship there. for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely yeah. like number one on my mind. But I also recognize that like we aren't the '90s Bulls. This is not the yeah. 2015, 16, 17 Warriors. Like it just isn't. And right. just because you don't have those guys does not mean that you don't try. And I think a mm. lot of the a lot of the games that were really exciting for the Bulls this year is a good analogy for how this team is building, where it was hang around, hang around, hang around, fight back, get back into this game. Okay, DeMar, now take over in the fourth. And if you can just like consistently be there, be good, be good enough in the playoffs, I think that's exactly what the Blazers were. They were good. They were solid every year. They had a run. And then all of a sudden things broke right and they were able to get to the conference finals. Um, That's kind of how you have to do it. If you're not one of these teams, that's just like blessed with a generational dynasty, just that doesn't happen. So again, this has been probably the most refreshing aspect of the AK era for me is like, yeah, it doesn't really seem like there's much you can do to build around Zach Levine and Denzel Valentine and Lowry Markinen, but like, (laughs) let's let's figure out a way to get a little bit closer this year let's get creative and not to mention like they still have some really young guys lonzo's 24 mm-hmm. zach is 27 mm-hmm. kobe is 20 patrick is 20 like they can still like extend this run and build off of this run and teach mm-hmm. some of the younger players how to win at a high level this is what we were talking about with demar's exit interview of just mm-hmm. like teaching them how to be professionals and like letting zach carry that torch eventually and then trying to add talent around him again because he's 27 i mean he's going to be good for a long time and i know he's an athlete and he plays with a lot of force and goes to the rim and all this stuff but like he's one of the best shooters in the league like he's going to be very good for a very long time so let let's build something around him let's make him happy in chicago and as this era sort of winds down i don't think they're there yet but um as damar starts to like decline a little bit and and vooch eventually like then you add in more guys and that's why it's important that I think they ended up keeping Pat at the deadline. Um, Like I said, I was, I was pro trading him for the right deal um, at the time, but now you're in a situation where you didn't do it. Great. You didn't have to let's, let's now like start to build for the now and the future at the same time. And I think that's where you see teams like the warriors be so incredible. If it's like the 28th pick and Jordan pool turns into this great player awesome like that's how you that's how you build it you build it with that culture pool fits into that system he learned how to play off of steph curry and draymond green that's what made him great obviously he's an incredible talent but you can't you can't just like put him out there and say go get 25 a night like that just that wouldn't have helped his career growth and i think that's where the bulls still have room for internal development and you know they still have money to play with they've got their uh, mid-level exception this year that's about 10 million dollars they can spend they'll be able to add more talent yeah, and look, for someone like AK, like I know we as fans tend to get very uh, short-term thinking about this of like, what's happening next season. 
But AK is not thinking about that. He is in a position where he's thinking about the, the strategy of the team over the next three, five, 10 years. So we're talking about Zach, we're talking about Vooch, we're talking about DeMar, but AK is thinking beyond these dudes. Uh, you can be absolutely sure about that. So the, the point to that is, you know, he wants to keep this group together now, potentially, or they've talked about continuity to rebuild the Bulls brand, let's say, rebuild this into like a global, you know, w- what it was basically. And obviously they're never going to have be what they were with, with no Jordan. But the, the, the point is like AK was brought in and he's talking about, you know, reframing the idea of what the Bulls are and acting as a big market team, as Matt sort of mentioned before. That was not something the Bulls have done for years. So whilst you may never win anything with Zach, DeMar, Vooch, you know, that's fine. What you, what you're effectively doing is you're winning 45, 50 games consistently to the point where the Bulls are always in the conversation. And mm-hmm. that may in turn in three or five years down the track change the tenor of how, you know, free agents view this franchise. LeBron, Wade, uh, you know, Chris Bosh, maybe those dudes didn't want to come to the Bulls at that point in time because they were effectively a rebuilding team on the come up. But maybe, you know, in five, 10 years down the, uh, down the track when the Bulls are consistently putting themselves or, or showing to other pers- prospective free agents that, um, you know, that they've got, they're prepared to win, that they're constantly winning games, then that changes how people view and receive this Bulls team. So it's more than just, this whole thing is is more than just Zach Levine's contract, you know, what you do with Damar and Vooch. Like, we're not just thinking, we shouldn't just be thinking about next season. We should be thinking about how this changes the the perspective of the Bulls franchise over the next three to five years because I can guarantee mm-hmm. you that's how Karnaschovas is thinking about this thing. And entering into another rebuild because he trades Zach or, you know, you you do whatever you need to do and, and, and you try to tank for another generational type player, like whoever that may right. be, that ain't getting you a free agent down, down the line. I can guarantee you that. And that's the another thing that Zach Levine's contemporaries and then even stars, you know, half a generation younger than him will be paying attention to. That goes exactly into your point you were just making, Mark, which is the difference between other NBA stars seeing that the Bulls said, you're right, Zach, you absolutely earned this new contract. Here you go. Instead of nickel and diming him and trying to get a hometown discount or even worse, letting him walk because they didn't want to pay him. Seeing the Bulls pay Zach this contract matters in so many other contexts other than just what Zach Levine is making and what he is giving the team for the span of that contract. It matters. I should write that down. That's a, that's an article, Will. We should write that down. I shouldn't have brought that up on the podcast. <laughs> I know. I've already come up with a couple other ideas, but we'll uh, see. All right. Uh, before before we get out of here, let's touch on the players real quick. And before that, one more quick reminder, everybody, to sign up for that CHGO points bet account. If you aren't already, use that promo code CHGO when you sign up. It's a great way to help us continue to grow, and it's going to be fun. Plus, you're going to get all sorts of amazing free perks like those two risk-free bets up to $2,000. And when you make a $50 or more $50 or more first-time deposit signing up for PointsBet, you will receive membership to CHGO, which unlocks all of that amazing exclusive web content. You'll even get a free shirt of your choice from the CHGO locker and access to those members-only CHGO Discord channels, including our Bulls Discord channel. If you have any questions, you can email pointsbet at allchgo.com. It will help you out. And as you heard Dave mention earlier, online sign-up is available in Illinois. You can download the PointsBet app right now. Register your account from start to finish all from your phone. 
So what are you waiting for? Once the game starts, don't just bet. Live your bet life. All right, gentlemen, uh, we are recording this late Monday afternoon, early Monday evening, right before the tip of the second set of conference semis series. We got uh, Sixers Heat in the East and Mavs Suns in the West. But let's start here. What did you guys think of the other game ones that we saw uh, to round out the weekend on Sunday? Anything stick out from those first two games? Big Dave, I'll start with you. Yeah, I don't know if people knew this, but Giannis is good. Oh, um, no, it's a shock to people right there. Um, so when they were talking about, well, the Bulls couldn't do anything against them and, you know, you go play Boston like that. And I'm like, wait a minute. What? You know, oh, they're the defending champions. Oh, oh they went for a reason. Oh, yeah, that's a reason, guys. They, they're freaking good. Like, that's the point. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be a, a, a good series, I think. And the other game, I thought went exactly like I thought <laughs> it was going to go. Um as soon as Draymond <laughs> went out, I was like, oh, the Warriors are going to win this game. That's exactly what I thought. I was like, oh, the Warriors are about to win this game. They're, they're taking it easy, and they come out in that third quarter. They'll do what veteran championship teams do. They'll try to go on that run, and they'll have the battle mental fortitude to close this one out. Um, and, yeah, I thought they did that. I thought they played great. I thought Memphis played great. I think it's going to be a nice long series uh, that I'm going to enjoy. Uh, I hope it goes down to the wire every single game, but – um, yeah, man, that was a great game, and I just I love basketball. Like stuff like that just makes you love that Warriors Grizzlies game was just like wind up massive haymaker to the jaw, wind yeah. up yeah. massive haymaker. It was just like back yeah. and forth, like three after three after three. Jared Jackson, yeah. Jordan Poole, Steph Curry. Mm-hmm. It was unbelievable. So you were saying um, there were a lot of uh, jawbreakers in there? Yeah, there it is. Yeah, well done. <laughs> Well done. Dude, that fruit. call was awesome. I still can't get over how it good was. that call was. It was. It was. It was um, amazing. I uh I will always have a very soft spot soft spot in my heart for the Warriors because I spent about four or five years down there covering them uh during their finals runs. But it is just so awesome to see Steph and Clay and Draymond back on the court together. And the yeah. way that they revamped that team, the way Jordan Poole is playing, cool. I mean, that that is just so much fun. And then the contrast too of this young up and coming athletic nasty just like we don't give a shit grizzlies team it's just so much fun to watch so that series has been great and then uh the bucks defensive rating in the playoffs is like 93 and a half which is just i know they played the bulls four times or five times but it's like it's insane and then they they hold the celtics to 89 points i mean yes <laughs> does it does it change the way you guys feel about the bulls series or is it just that you know the but the, I mean, because the the Jays had a really bad game. Neither of them really did yeah. much in the way of scoring. I thought the Celtics' defense was incredible on Giannis. I think Giannis only shot like thirty five or forty percent. Right. Does that change at all your perspective on on the Bulls series? No. It was no. Same for me. No, it's all matchups. It's all matchup space. So like, uh, it, it's kind of. Uh, I mean, it, it has its relevance, I suppose, and, and it gives us some context. But at the same time, the, the Celtics are a very different proposition to the box as to what the Bulls were, and then those to seeing the scheme is very different. So I don't know. It's, it was. I didn't expect it. I, I, I thought the Celtics would win Game One. I thought the Celtics would win this series pretty easily, given our uh, Middleton's out for seemingly this series as well. So mm-hmm. I was I was actually quite shocked for that result. And that game was at 3 a.m. my time. So when I woke up and saw the 
this was, I was like, oh, geez, that, that's interesting. I wasn't expecting that one. But one, um, uh, to- one more thing on that is just like, I think Drew Holiday gets the credit that he deserves defensively. Like, mm-hmm. he is probably, I don't know, if I want to like get into the whole thing about Marcus Martin, where he actually stands uh, as far as defenders in the league go. But he is truly one of the great defenders, not just in the league today, but of the last 20, 30 maybe in the history of the game. He's just incredibly good, but he is a baller on offense too. Like he is scoring the ball so well and taking on such a huge burden left by Middleton. So just shout out to Drew. I mean, I, I love that guy. He's, he's awesome. And uh, to see him scoring the ball and really doing it as well as he's playing defense has been really impressive. Yeah. They're doing championship stuff as to where you see guys knowing when to rest on the court. And when to, mm-hmm. you know, not just put everything on and take it all. And Drew Holiday is a great example of that. Uh, he kind of chilled in that Bull series. I mean, he definitely had a game where he was like, yeah, I'm Drew Holiday. You know what I mean? But he was kind of chill uh, in that series. But once Middleton went down is when he was like, oh, yeah, okay. All right, now it's time. You know, Let me turn this on and show y'all what I can really do. He's like dribbling in the pull-up threes in transition. He's right. like backing people down. From, from and getting- like way back, from like <laughs> Trey Young area. You know what I'm saying? From Steph area. He's pulling from there. And, and he's killing awesome. people. No, he's amazing to watch. And he, again, just that's what championship pedigree gives you: knowing when to turn it on and when to turn it off. And yeah, when you, you get have to three have max, three great players on max deals on the same team. We can't have that. We can't have one. Um, I, I don't think game one, Bucks Celtics changed what I. Th- see happening and i'm with you mark i like i have the celtics winning this i have the celtics coming out of the east like they i just like the way that they were playing more than any other team in these eastern conference playoff pictures and but you know there there is some kind of similarity to what you saw them do to the celtics successfully in game one that they did to the bulls for a five-game series um the bucks uh the bucks gave the celtics 50 three-point attempts in game one and I mean, Gabe, like that, you know, that's what they did to the Bulls. They said, we're going to dare you to beat us from the outside. And, you know, the the Celtics knocked down 18 of 50, 36%. That's not terrible. But they only shot 33.5% from the field. Like mm-hmm. the Celtics, I think, missed plenty of open looks that they will not miss every game of this series. Uh, and I think that they have a, a decent rotation of guys who can not slow, uh, who cannot stop Giannis, but slow him down. And will you were right, Giannis just nine of twenty five in game one for twenty four points, uh, like twenty four and twelve, uh, twenty four, thirteen and twelve triple double for for Giannis. And everybody's like, right. oh, that's kind of kind of a down exactly. game for Giannis, right? <laughs> it's fucking crazy, exactly. bro. He still but, ain't had that game yet. I keep telling people he still ain't had that all playoffs. He ain't had that game yet, and he's dominating people. It's insane. I'm it's sorry. It's like Go ahead. even sorry. even when he's frustrated and getting hounded on defense, he can still do things like he did on that one play where he just said, "Okay, to hell with this," and had a ridiculous zero step, threw it off the backboard to himself and dunked it. Like, and that was incredible defense being played on him on that play. Yes. So. Giannis is still a cheat code. I just think the Celtics are a deeper team, and they have more guys who I have faith in to knock down shots than do the Bucks. So I'm. I just. I don't know. I don't know how you score on the Bucks. Like they've just. They're pushing you left. Yeah. You can't. You can't get anything in the paint because they've got two seven footers in there. Brooke Lopez is like 
bigger than seven feet tall. I think he's like listed at seven one, but like that guy is enormous. And then they've also got Giannis. Like they're just camping out in the paint. You cannot get into the lane. And it's just a matter of like somehow missing all your threes, like mm-hmm. against a better shooting team. Although the Celtics are a pretty good shooting team. Like that, this is not going to happen yeah. every game, but yeah. I just, I don't know how you score against them. Like it's tough. Man. It's tough. It's tough. Like they, you know, they did that to the bulls and now they're doing it to their exactly. to the Celtics in game one. Uh, real quick. Did any of you have an opinion about a team that changed after the first round compared to when we were entering the playoffs, like whether it is more faith in a team to maybe make a deep run and make the finals win it all, or a team that you now see as a flawed team that somehow still managed to make it to the second round, but will not make it further. Well, the um, Sixers, uh, Joel yeah, Embiid is that's the easy answer. Yeah. Yeah. Like uh, the Sixers that now changes my answer about the heat as well. I wasn't sure if they were going to advance, but with no Embiid, he's certainly not playing in game one. Who the hell knows when he will play if, if at all, uh, you know, that dramatically changes that, that, that series. And you would assume that Miami should have control of that series to, to advance to the Eastern conference finals. And then, you know, hope well, not hopefully, but you know, they'll get through that somewhat easily. You would assume if, if Embiid is missing quite a bit, they got through their first round series very easily, and and over you know over the other side you've got the Bucks and, and Celtics you know throwing rocks at each other. So my opinion of the Heat has definitely changed. I think they've got a, a very very clear path to getting back to the finals, which is good for me and Will in terms of our Jimmy Jimmy Butler propaganda. So um, yeah, like that has changed. The Embiid uh, injury has changed this uh, you know these postseason dramatically. So. That that's um that is definitely one, but for me at least, coming back to the Warriors, like uh, you know, public de- a declaration. I, I'm pretty sure Gary Payton the second has replaced Ryan Archidiakono in my heart in terms of you know backup point guards who I just irrationally love. So that's so a team, but more so a player. Like I, I absolutely love that guy. I want him on my team immediately. I I don't care. Give him the max contracts. If, if let, let's let's sign and trade Zach Clement to Golden State for Gary Payton the second. Let's do that. <laughs> That's emotion talking, ladies and gentlemen. I'm in. <laughs> and, and like, dude, he had, he had huge, like, performance and moments in uh, helping them close out their first round yeah. series. I mean, yeah. he's like ways... getting offensive rebounds that, like, secured the win. Yeah. He's in six, ways he's that I didn't one. see coming. Yeah. Right. He's Dunking incredible. on people like that at 6-1. Like, no, that, that team, too. Yeah, that Warriors team as well kind of changed uh, me also as far as my thought on them, because I thought that the Nuggets would have a better showing uh, against mm. them. I thought – I really did. I thought they have a better showing. And, I mean, my God, I, I didn't um, – I didn't think of Jordan Poole, you know what I'm saying, doing what he's doing like that. And I didn't think of, like you said, Gary Payton II. Even though I knew he would be good defensively, I didn't know if it would translate in the playoffs because usually it takes guys a little time. But when you're around that kind of team with those kind of winners, it's kind of like – you know, to be old school on you. It's kind of like uh, the Houston Rockets when Sam Cassell and Robert Ory were the rookies and how that translated, you know what I'm saying, the playoffs for them. And they didn't lose a step at all. They actually got better uh, but because they were around, you know, greatness. You know what I mean? So when you're around greatness, it kind of, you know, helps and, you know, grows you. And you see that with Jordan Poole and Gary Payton II. And they just they just look mean, man. <laughs> they look really, really mean. And it's going to be interesting. Um going up to the to the next round because i have them going against phoenix uh in that next round and that should be a true kind of dog fight and that's going to be interesting to watch speaking of phoenix uh last one here uh that i want from all three of you 
Anybody think that Luca and the Mavs have a shot at the upset here in round two against Phoenix? We saw both of these teams face uh, a, a handful of games in their respective round one series without their stars. You know, Luca yeah. missing time for Dallas and Devin Booker missing time for the Suns. Any of you guys give Dallas an outside shot in this series? I think I do. And that was going to be my answer to the last question is, look, I think the Suns are really, really, really good. But I was kind of looking at them as somewhat invincible going into the playoffs. Now, the Pelicans were really frisky, fun team that like, you know, overachieved a little bit, but they were good. I mean, they were playing at a really high level, but I did not see them taking two games off of Phoenix. Uh, I don't see how anybody guards Luka. Like, I just don't know that it's possible. But the way that Dwight Powell is playing, Brunson, Dinwiddie's getting in there. Uh, Maxi Kleba has these games where he shoots like seven of nine for three. Uh, I do think the the Mavs have a chance, but um, maybe a small one. But I, I could see that series at least going pretty deep. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent. Look, I'm a CP3 stand, much to uh, Matt Peck's detest, but I <laughs> I want to see my boy in the finals again. But at the same time, I'm a bit of a Luca lover as well. So, uh, like. The, the, the way Bronson and Dinwiddie are sort of supporting Luca, like that's an element of the team that they didn't really have previously. So that, I mean, Bronson was on the team last season, but he wasn't playing to this level. So that really does change things. Dorian Finney-Smith is damn awesome. Um, if they can get some sort of competitive games out of their centers to match Aiton, who is probably like the most important player in this, season, uh, in this series, to be honest with you. So uh, it's going to be a good one. I do give them a chance though, which is... Not something I would have thought, but given the way Dallas is defending, given how good Luca is and the fact that he actually has on-ball support now, they do have a chance. And that pains me to say because I want to see CP3 back in the finals, but that, that may not even happen in this series, let alone the next. So it's it, mm. this is going to be the best series in the, of the second round for me, at least. Uh, mm. Dallas and Phoenix, and it's the one I'm looking forward to, to the most. Wow. I don't... Honestly, I don't think Dallas has a chance. Um Sure. I mean, yeah, anything could happen. Devin Booker might still have to go out, you know what I mean, or something like that. Like anything could happen that way. But at fully healthy, yeah. I think Chris Paul is just way too insane to to lose. And <laughs> I don't think he has that in him to, you know, not to not go out like this in the second round. Like that man clearly wants to get back to the finals. And but Dallas has just been absolutely incredible. Jason Kidd, he deserves all the love in the world for what he's done with that oh my team. God. Like, for real. Turning that team into absolutely. a top five defense. Out of nowhere, when people are like, dude, no, here's some here's some tissue paper. We need you to stop this, this tidal wave. You know what I'm saying? Like, he, yeah. and for some way, he did it. You know what I mean? Somehow he did. He's been absolutely Impressive. incredible with doing something with the pieces that he's been given. He deserves that love for that. Uh, I do expect what I want, though, I want Luca to continue to uh, cement his his legacy. So I want him to have one of those games or at least two of those games where you're just like, this dude is about to be an MVP real soon kind of games. You know what I mean? So that's kind of what I'm looking for, him to have that. But, no, nah, man, I got I got Phoenix in this one, man. But oh, I'm, I am rooting for Dallas because, you know, I love John Sabine. So I can't just not root for Dallas, man. That's my guy. So I got to go with that. <laughs> uh, I, I think Dallas has an outside chance. I do. If, if Luka plays at an insane, super saiyan level and those role players that you mentioned, Dan Witte and – and, and Brunson to step up and continue to, you know, be legitimate supporting cast kind of guys. I, I think, like you said, Will, at least it can even be uh, – if, if Dallas can't find a way to win it, I think it'll be a long series. Um, 
And that is the the second of the doubleheader on tonight. Let's get out of here so we can all watch some hoops, yeah? It's ball yeah. night! Second round! Um, that's it for today's episode. Thanks to y'all for tuning in and watching. And li- Well, actually, this is a pod-only episode, so thanks for listening. Uh, but you can catch us tomorrow doing a live show from our studios downtown Chicago on the YouTubes as well. So stay tuned for that. In the meantime, you can follow us on Twitter. Bulls underscore Peck, Won't Gottlieb, Bow, BWL Sports, MK Hoops, and we collectively are CHGO underscore Bulls. For Will and Mark and Big Dave, Matt saying, see red, be good. <laughs>